1: All right, lots of great stuff this time here on the GM Shuffle. Thanks, as always, for checking us out. Please go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Is Dak Prescott, or is anybody worth $45 million, a potential rule change for 4th and 15 with an onside kick alternative, and Reggie Bush says paying college athletes will destroy some people. We'll get into all that, but first, Mike, we begin with the Buccaneers. By the way, follow us on Instagram. M Lombardi NFL. Same as his Twitter handle. You can follow me Adnan S. Verk. You can also follow our show's Instagram page at the GM Shuffle. We've talked about the Bucks in the past, Mike, but right now the over/under people got about nine, you know, nine and a half, perhaps for some. People get excited by the ideas of Brady and Gronkowski, even though Tom's golf game could use some work after what happened on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do you think people should be slow your rolls, so to speak, when it comes to the Bucks? Why they're not ready for prime time?
2: Yeah, I mean, poor Tommy. I mean, you know, it looked like by about the eighth hole, he wanted to just, like, slam those clubs and go home. I mean, and, you know, he'd been playing golf with Arians. I mean, Arians, one thing about Arians now, he ain't missing a golf round. I mean, forget the fact that, you know, we're out there, it's coaching. I mean, he's getting – He, I think he gets 36 in most days. God love him. I mean, you know, good thing he didn't work for Al Davis. Al Davis, if you smoked a pipe and played golf that he knew you were playing golf, oh, that was the end of it. Oh, I don't understand that game. Why? Why would they play that? Why would they chase that white ball around? I don't It's just a waste of fucking time. Okay, <laughs> let's go on. Anyway, I mean, you know, he would go berserk. I mean, that's why Aryans could never work for him. You know, AD, I think we've lost our minds about the Bucks. Like, I think so often in any time we see a player move or something, we forget what's happened in the past. So let's just take a moment and look at the Bucks. Okay, last year they won seven games, okay? And the question I would ask you, did they beat any playoff team?
1: Yeah, it doesn't look like it, right?
2: Nope, no playoff teams. They beat Detroit, Indianapolis. They beat Indianapolis, and they turned the ball over four times in that game. They beat Jacksonville, the David Blaine Caldwells. They beat Atlanta. They turned the ball over twice in that game. They beat Arizona. They turned it over three times in that game. They beat Carolina once. They didn't turn it over. And they beat the Rams and they didn't turn it over in that high-scoring affair. Now, let's look. Losses, they lost to San Francisco. Most of all the losses. I mean, they had 41 turnovers as a team, and most of the losses obviously are a result. But they lose to San Francisco. They lose to New Orleans. They lose to Tennessee. They lose to Seattle in overtime. They lose to New Orleans again, and they lose to Houston. I mean, all, they couldn't beat a playoff team. And they lost to the Giants, the Panthers, and the Falcons in overtime. So, like, okay, we're 7-9, and nine and people say, well, you know, we're, we're really close. Here's the amazing thing about them. As you know, I'm a huge first-half point differential guy. They were sixth in the NFL in first-half point differential. So they had to lead at halftime in most games. They just couldn't finish it. They couldn't finish it. They couldn't put it away. They couldn't do it. And for all the talk about, you know, Brady's coming in, when you compare what Brady wants to do to what Jameis did last year, you know, on throws over 20 yards, on throws over 30 yards, on throws over 40 yards. I mean, th- the one that jumps out to me is last year, Tom Brady, on throws between 11 and 20 yards, he was 53 for 105. 50% completion when the ball traveled over 10 yards. 50% completion. Seven interceptions, two t- seven touchdowns, two interceptions. He averaged 9.2 yards per attempt. Jameis, on the other hand, he threw 160 passes over 10 yards. He had a, a 63.8% completion percentage, and he averaged 11.73 yards per attempt. That's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. So somebody's got to convince me that, yes, I know Tom's going to protect the ball better, but who's going to get those yards?
1: Yeah, according to Oddshark, the over-under right now on wins for the Buccaneers is at 9.5. So to your point, you know you beat up on a bunch of bad teams, Relatively close games. So you have to hope that those games go the other way. And I always wonder about, you know, for a team to have that kind of a swing. Do you, let's go. Let's go seven to ten. So they, they go plus three wins. And I'm with you that listen. Tom Brady is not the same guy he once was. Is he talented? Yes, of course. He's the greatest player to ever play the game. Is he in a great frame of mind? Yes. Does he have better weapons with Tampa Bay than he had a year ago? Of course he does. But Is he alone plus three wins? No, Gronkowski's not going to stay healthy. He plays maybe 10 games, maybe 12, maybe eight games. You're looking at half the season. The question here becomes then, Mike, for me, and you often talk about the middle eight. You know, you talk about first half differential. How about the middle eight for this team? The last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half. Is Arians a good enough coach to make those adjustments that will be the difference between winning or losing? And will the defense be stronger this year? Because in terms of additions, they haven't made any major additions defensively.
2: No, and that's where they were weak in the third quarter. Halftime adjustments didn't exist. I mean, they came out, they lost the third quarter. Their game plans worked in the first half. And the second half, they lost the third quarter. So how's that going to change? And, I, and, and here's the thing, I think, for any coaches out there listening to the pod. When expectations come from the media, you've got to work your ass off to destroy those expectations. You've got to be like the expectation police. You've got to go out there and you've got to – and work your ass off to get people to take it come back in there you know because you've got to convince them for us to go from good to great it isn't because of one player you know we're going to have to deal with some some real issues here and start of them are who we are that we don't have a magic wand and i think you know what you do is you got to go back and follow the jim collins good to great model i mean you've got to have tremendous leadership and do they have that down there? Everybody thinks Brady's going to come in and be the leader. But Brady's so old, much older than every player on the team, it's hard for him to leave. He's going to say, come on, let's go. But like it's got to be something different. It's got to be somewhere the younger players have to resonate to it. And you've got to be able to get people to believe that they have to increase their level of play because even with Brady here, you're like, okay, we got Brady. He's going to take care of everything. No, no, no. You have to raise your level. Like, Brady's game is going to be here, but you have to raise your level. And when you sign a player and the expectations are around that player, all of a sudden, you know, everybody thinks they have the day off. Well, Brady's got it. Brady's got it, you know. And you have to change your discipline habits, which do they have it? I mean, the attention to detail, do they have it? I mean, can they come back and handle all that? I think it's a huge challenge. And if I'm a better, I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under, like, it's the perfect scenario to tell me the under's in play because the schedule will be harder. Harder because of this. Harder because everybody's going to see them as the tar- They are now, this year's Virgil Salazzo. They, they've they got the target on their back. They're the hunted one. And they've done nothing to earn the hunted one, but yet they become the hunted one. I think this is a huge concern. If I were If I were in Tampa and I were the general manager, I would be like, we are going to have to have at boot camp like no other boot camp. Because if we don't get these people's attention on what the hell we're trying to accomplish, we got no shot.
1: And to that point about having to hit the ground running, you got the Saints right out of the gate. Then you go versus Carolina. You're at Denver. You're versus L.A., Uh, the Chargers, and you're at the Bears. And it doesn't let up. You go against the Packers, the Raiders, the Giants, the Saints. You don't get a bye week until week 13. We're talking about the first week of December. So this isn't like, hey, let's get at the first four or five games out of the way. We'll get a bye week and reset. No, no. You got to play 12 games. Then you get a bye week and you finish versus Minnesota at Atlanta, at Detroit versus Atlanta. So The Vikings should be pretty good. The Lions probably aren't good. And then you got the Falcons in a home-and-home. So if you go into those final four games, I mean, uh, good luck to you if all of a sudden you have a 6-4 and record. But nobody knows how good they're going to be that final stretch.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, look, here's the potential. I mean, you could call their month of December the Fired Coaches Month for them because if Atlanta doesn't get off to a good start, they're going to fire Dan Quinn. I mean, that's just reality, right? I mean, they almost fired him this year. They brought him back because he finished strong. But let's just say Atlanta's in it. They're going to play. That's going to be a hard game, okay? Let's say Detroit is in it. Let's say Detroit's miraculously, you know, and they're fighting for their lives. I mean, they could face, it looks like, okay, we got Atlanta and Detroit, two staffs that could be gone, but they could face two desperate teams who may not be playing for something in terms of playoffs, but they're playing for something in terms of job security. You know, that's way different. That's a way different. That's the rat gets backed in a the corner. They come out attacking you. you know And so I, I think to me, when you look at the schedule, three non-playoff teams in the month of December, that sounds really good off the buy. But the reality of it is, is is they could be desperate teams. Now they also could be the Atlanta could, could have an interim coach, you get two wins. Detroit could basically know they're gone. you could have three wins. and that could save their season. But last year, when they rotted off those four straight wins, when they started to come from behind and win, you know, they didn't start fast last year. I mean, let's face it. They had a hard time starting fast last year. And that was with the training camp. That was with OTA days. I think it's going to be problematic.
1: And who knows what's going to happen this year with COVID-19? Are we going to have shortened training camps? Are we going to have training camps at all? All of that remains in play. Another headline that came out this week, multiple sources refuting a report from NBC Sports' Chris Sims Released last week is definitely not true that the Cowboys quarterback turned down a five-year, $175 million deal. That's right. Dak said no to $35 million a year, allegedly because he wanted north of $45 million in the final year. ESPN's Adam Schefter wrote to clarify any recent speculation on Dak Prescott's contract negotiations, there have been no discussions in other scenarios other than the Cowboys wanting a longer deal and Prescott wanting a shorter deal. Negotiations for a long-term contract have dragged on since last offseason. NFL salary cap's $198.2 million, So that's a $10 million increase year over year. But that headline, Mike, certainly got people's attention. People said, you know what? Just go to Andy Dalton. Tell Dak you're not going to pay him $45 million a year. Although then it comes out that Chris Sims apparently may not have had the facts totally right.
2: Well, I mean, that's a a shop supermarket headline when you're going through and you check out and you see, you know, that uh, Khloe Kardashian's changed her look. I mean, is she in the witness protection program? Seriously, (laughs) I'd like to have that commentary with you. Like, seriously, like if she would do an advertisement for her plastic surgeon, there's a lot of goombas that would want to go and get their face. I mean, that's just radical, right? Like, I mean, whoever her surgeon is, that guy's would have... Eighty-five Goombas from Staten Island, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and all over. They get you know, because look, why not, right?
1: My wife said, "Oh, he, she just lost some weight. I'm like, "Are you kidding?" You think that's because of weight loss? That, that is a completely different person. You are absolutely right. If you're on the lamb, you go to that guy. You're literally you have a new person. It's a completely mistaken identity. It's incredible.
2: I mean, Whitey Bulger sitting in prison saying, "Like son of a bitch, if I could have found this doctor, I would have gotten caught." You know? <laughs> I mean, every guy. I mean, El Chapo's sitting in that damn place out in Colorado's, like looking at this, saying, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I mean, where's this guy? Why didn't I have this guy on my payroll? <laughs> like seriously. <laughs> I mean, this guy should be doing as, you know, like with this. you know, Can you imagine the business he could do in Mexico alone for the cartel? It's incredible. It's like unbelievable. Like, and I don't even know, like, uh, uh, this is my new look, you know, like, yeah, sure. Anybody can get a new look if you just go through and you get your everything sliced up. I mean, you know, I could lose 86 chins if I could get sliced up. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to Dak. So I think that the headline is he wanted 45 in the final year. Well, here's where I think it's really wrong. You know, if he wanted 45 in the last year, Jerry would have said yes to that deal because it's not guaranteed. And what Jerry would be getting is an option on a year, four or five years from now that Jerry would have no idea what the money is. And Jerry would say, "Okay, since it's not guaranteed, then I'll cut him. And if it's not guaranteed and he's worth 45, I'll just redo his deal like that number, 45 in the final year for Dak. Jerry wouldn't flinch at that. Now, it would raise the level of year average, which most people wouldn't look at that. Okay. The media might look at it that, you know, the fans might say he's making, but at the end of the day, people only value deals over three years. Like, what is the three year number? Okay. What's the three year numbers? The three year number, 32, fine. What's the guarantee on the three years, right? If year five of the deal has the bulk of the money in it and none of the money is guaranteed, that's like a fake deal. That's a fake deal. And so Jerry would have loved a fake deal. He would have loved a fake deal. That's just right down his alley. You know, he would have said, okay, I love it. And I'm not saying Chris is wrong. I'm saying, like, look, that's the way the hardest contract to do in sports. And if you're Dak Prescott's agent, you've got to understand this. I think I'm going to write about this for The Athletic tomorrow, is basically. You're not dealing with Dak versus the Cowboys. You're dealing with Dak versus Deshaun, Dak versus Patrick Mahomes, Dak perhaps versus Lamar Jackson. Like where is the market going? Where is the market going? And when the ink dries on this contract and all of a sudden I'm obsolete in two weeks, I'm not going to get any more clients. I'm going to lose out on my ability because all the other agents are going to say, see that dumb shit signed a deal too soon. So he's waiting. See what he's really waiting for. What I think Dak's really waiting for is Deshaun Watson to get done. And then once Deshaun's done, then Dak wants to nudge himself as close as he can, or just get a little bit above it. Not that he's worth more than Deshaun because he's not. Speaking of, how can Deshaun be the 61st player on Pete Prisco's CBS rankings? Seriously, I I know I changed subject on that, but that was another one that got me this week. Like, everybody's entitled to their opinion, but are there 60 better players than Deshaun Watson in the National Football League? I'd like to know.
1: Uh, you know what happens is, that is, we've taught this before, how people crush on Billy O'Brien. I think it's the same thing. People look at Houston and go, eh, underachievers. Those guys, yeah, they win the division title and do nothing after that. And they dismiss the fact that for how young he is and what he's done in the league, Deshaun Watton, at least a top 50 player, if not top 40. I mean,
2: yeah, I have him as like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like, how could he be in the top? Anyway, I mean, I digress. Again, I get off on tangents. But to me, you know, it's like that's what I think they're waiting for. You know, Mahomes deal. See, the other thing I think you got to be real careful of, and we said the cap went up $10 million, is what happens next year if the revenues from not having fans in the stand essentially lowers the cap? Because that revenue goes into the cap pool. Like, what's that going to do to the cap? Is it going to keep it the same? Is it going to lower it? I mean, what's the effect that everyone is going to have to pay since the owners and the players are partners in the deal? What effect is it going to have on that?
1: Yeah. And the other part of it then becomes, like, to your point about the whole headline business, you know, the other headline then becomes, well, the Cowboys should just move on from Dak and go with Andy Dalton. There's no chance that happens, right? Like, this deal's going to get done. It's just a matter of the money getting right. There's zero chance I can imagine anyone in that Cowboys front office says, you know what? This isn't going to happen. Let's just go with Andy Dalton. Like, no, he's a backup for a reason.
2: Yeah, I mean, Michael Irvin, I don't think Michael Irvin said. I think Dez Bryant and guys on, on the Worldwide Leader were talking about it. I mean, it's a ju- No, they signed Andy Dalton to protect themselves against Kellen Moore. They signed Andy Dalton because they don't want to go into a game against the Eagles where Dak's not healthy and they got to play an unhealthy player. That's why. They're not related. I agree with you. I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's just desperation news to say that, and, and I think it's just unfair. But. I'm with you. I mean, I I think it's going to get done. I I think that there's too many things, variables in play, why it can't get done right away.
1: All right. When we come back, Mike and I will break down the proposed rule change to the onside kick and examine Reggie Bush's recent statements about paying college athletes. Don't go anywhere.
0: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 8778 hope Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Well, it wouldn't be the NFL if there wasn't some ideas about potential rule changes. How about this? Dramatic rule change pertaining to onside kicks could be coming to the NFL in 2020 if the league's owners vote to make it happen. And it was the Eagles who proposed a rule that would give teams an alternative option to the onside kick. Check this out. Instead of trying to recover an onside kick, teams would have the option of attempting to convert a 4th and 15 play from their own 25-yard line. If they get the 15 yards, they get a first down and keep possession. If they don't get the 15 yards, the other team would take over possession from wherever the play ended. So NFL owners don't generally approve dramatic rule changes the proposal filled up. You might actually have a chance to pass here, Mike, because it has some support from the competition committee. Last year, the Broncos proposed a similar rule, and at the time, the committee actually voted 7-1 in favor of the proposal. I mean, you look at the onset recovery rate, 7.5% in 2018. That's a dramatic decrease from 21.7% in 2017. If you want a little more excitement, this 4th and 15 would definitely have a better chance of actually converting rather than an onside kick if you look at the numbers, right?
2: Yeah, but for me, it's problematic in two ways. Okay, so like sometimes during a game, say we're down 10, and there's seven minutes to go in the game, and you have the ball, and I have the lead. And I just basically at this point, the clock's my opponent. Like I got to milk this clock. I can't let you score before the two-minute warning because then it becomes a problem. But if I can get you to score anything, seven or three, after the two-minute warning, I can win the game. I got the game. Because there's no chance you can come back on me. Now, this rewards teams to come back. It's like putting a four-point line in, in basketball. Okay, now here you go. You can come back. Even though you've played shitty the whole game, here's your chance to come back. Like I would be more in favor of changing the onside kick rules. Like, why can't we leave special teams plays in special teams? Like, why can't we just keep that in one segregated area and so that we can say, okay, like, let's go back to, you know, maybe changing the special teams because here's what's going to happen. It's going to be 4th and 15, right? And some team's got the ball and you have the ball and I'm going to play zone and I reroute the number 2 receiver coming down the seam and my man back there the field the back judge throws the flag for illegal contact after 5 yards. Okay, you get it again. You get it again, right? You know, now you don't get the automatic first down, I don't presume, but you're going to get another chance to try it fourth and 15. Right. And then I play man and I get a pass interference. Okay, you get it again. Then maybe I play some kind of match zone and I rough the quarterback. Now you get it again. Like at some point, like, you know, the officials are going to take over. it. You know, they're going to come in and say, okay, here's the you know, we're involved with this play as much as you are. Like for me, it's just like keep it separate. Keep it out of it.
1: It does feel like a cheat, because to your point, it's like it just allows the team to get back into the game a little bit quicker than they could have been. The reason I like it is it certainly is exciting, and I think it definitely gives you a better chance of success. Like, when I see an onside kick, I'm already rolling my eyes, going, this ain't going to work. And those numbers, 7.5% prove that out. But I hear you on the fact that it's – It's kind of cheapening the whole point of special teams. Like, fix the problem within the situation rather than going outside the box to fix it. It's like outsourcing a problem you, your company, has by bringing in a third party. No, no, no. Just fix the issue right there, and it'll end up being better.
2: Yeah. I mean, maybe limit the onside kick. Nobody who weighs over 210 pounds can be on the onside kick team, you know? You know, make it so it's that that you can't have it where, you know, you're afraid players are going to get hurt. Maybe you can only have maybe only four players can run or whatever it is. I don't know. But like keep special teams and special teams and don't allow this to become because like, look, what happens? Say you're down in the first half. Say, you know, say somebody starts routing you at 28 to three in the first half, right? And you just decide, okay, let's just start going for it on fourth and 15. And now you get yourself, you start making a few. I mean, the Patriots are down 28 to three in the Super Bowl with two minutes to go and came back. That was a fair comeback. It wasn't cheapened by a, a shitty onside kick rule. I don't like it. I, I think to me, like, why do we have to gimmick a great game? Like, why do we have to gimmick it? Like, seriously, it's not like change the rule with an onside kick, find some way to make that work.
1: It definitely is gimmicky. And for the rule to pass, 24 of the NFL's 32 owners would have to vote on it at their next meeting, which will be held virtually on May 28th, so just days away. Uh, Next up, Reggie Bush. This topic's been around forever, right? Paying college athletes, should they, shouldn't they? Well, here's what the Heisman Trophy winner Reggie Bush said. Strong concerns over the NCAA's recent support of a player endorsement plan, saying that paying college athletes who don't have the proper guidance is going to destroy some people. This is according to a recent interview with Playboy, Bush tweeted Monday, by the way, this is not what I said, nor the context I said it, so that's already a retraction of sorts, but here's what he told Playboy. Guidance is the one thing that young athletes coming through college system miss on so much. I missed on it. They're about to start paying college athletes. This is something that has never been experienced before and it's going to destroy some people if their foundation is not in the right place. The NCAA says athletes will be allowed to appear in advertisements and can reference their sport in school but they would not be able to use school logos or branding in those advertisements. This is a large issue, Mike, certainly a complicated one and it feels like we're building towards something. I mean, the NCAA now And okay, fine, we'll compensate these guys on some level. But to Bush's point specifically, could it destroy those people? Your thoughts?
2: Yeah. I think there has to be a way, and I don't know if it's legal, but I would say there has to be a way to where none of the money that you get from college goes directly to you. It goes into a trust fund. It earns interest. You cannot touch it until you're 24 years old, or you can't touch it until you're 25 years old, whatever. You know, it's like, I'm not going to give you the money today so that you can waste it and not have it. Now, you could say, well, how about families that need the money? Well, families that need the money are just going to have to wait just like they do right now. You're going to have some money. You know, you're not allowed to borrow on it. You're not allowed to touch it. That's going into a savings account, you know, and it's a great lesson to teach people like savings is not bad. Like having cash flow is a good thing. I mean, we're seeing that today with with companies during coronavirus that have tremendous amounts of cash flow, they can survive. But companies like Hertz that were basically leveraged out, they're going to go bankrupt because they have no cash flow. I mean, Hertz has got a billion dollars worth of money laying around, which is seems like a lot, but they don't have enough money to really get themselves out of where they are because of the coronavirus and the impact that it's created. So I think to me, there has to be a way to where these kids who are definitely entitled to compensation, I agree completely, but what I don't want to see happen is wasteful money. I don't want to see that. So set up a, a trust fund. The money goes directly in there, and they are not allowed to touch it. No one is allowed to touch it except for the person. If some unfortunate thing happens to the person, then who's ever in his will would inherit that money, male, female. And this applies to women's coaches, women's basketball players, all that. I think there has to be a way to where we can protect the kids but also give them the money.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, it's just common sense. If you gave me a million dollars when I was 18 years old and I was not a reckless kid, but I'm going to have a little bit of fun, of course. Go buy a nice car. Go party up with my friends. I mean, that that's natural, and I think it's also natural to expect some compensation for these guys. Like it, it now seems overdue. Like, and, and I get the fact those that say, "Well, listen, they are being compensated. They get tuition. They get room and board." I'm like, okay, I understand that. But when you look at the amount of money, Mike, these schools make off these kids. And I'm not saying poor kids, but I'm saying, listen, how could you not give them at least a sliver of the pie? Particularly those top athletes. These schools make hundreds of millions of dollars off their life and in terms of the endorsements that's at least a step in the right direction to go okay you know what you should get a piece of the pie and what other facet of life does the company get everything and labor would get nothing i mean it it is far i mean i don't know how anybody can still make that argument the players shouldn't get anything now i get it when they say All right, well, if college athletes get paid, is that across the board? Is it just the football and basketball guys? Are you paying the lacrosse guys, et cetera? That's a separate issue. But the top end should, of course, get paid because in America, the top end always gets taken care of.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think to me, and the arrogance that the NCAA shows with what they do is really, and then they bust a kid for an airplane ticket or something that's absolutely ridiculous, right? And then they have the guts, and then they're taking all the money. I mean, let's face it. I mean, they have no remorse when they do that. But I think, you know, if we're going to give the kids the money, let's give them the money, and let's make sure they have the money. Let's make damn sure they keep the money.
1: No question. And uh, I just think it's interesting that Reggie Bush already is kind of saying it wasn't what he said or wasn't what he meant to say. So we'll figure it out. Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned, excuse me. After the break, Mike and I open up the GM Shuffle mailbag. We saw the last dance. How about a last dance for the gridiron involving Tom Brady? Don't go anywhere. Always get in touch with us. You can email us, thegmshuffle at gmail.com. We got this one here from Pat. Is the new thinking in the NFL to find a cheaper quarterback so you can spend more money at other positions? Have an offensive scheme that works for more run-of-the-mill quarterbacks? Is that what the Packers are thinking with drafting Jordan Love? Ouch! Taking a shot at Jordan Love? There's no way, Mike, they think he's going to be a run-of-the-mill quarterback.
2: No, I think the Packers are tired of dealing with the guy that you know, it's just hard to deal with. I mean, between him and, you know, between him and Mark Murphy, I think the two of them are, are kind of oil and water and and one wants credit for the other. I mean, Mark Murphy might end up becoming the Jerry Krause of the NFL (laughs) before too long. I mean, the guy, the guy wants to get in the hall of fame. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He wants to be recognized as a, I mean, he's got the perfect job of all jobs. He's an owner without having it put any, not a dollar into it, you know, and he's the perfect Dunning Kruger guy. I mean, he's. Just, you know, he thinks he knows, but he really doesn't know. And I think they did this because I think the king of all kings, you know, Murphy wants to make sure that Rodgers knows he's in charge of the company. I don't think there's any doubt about that in my mind. I mean, look, and Rodgers isn't exactly an easy guy to deal with. I mean, you know, like I said many times, if you wanted to deal with Aaron Rodgers and you wanted to maximize his true full potential, then you would have gone out and hired a veteran NFL coach who's got some cachet to him. And brought him in there and said, Aaron, look, I've won two Super Bowls, and this is why we won two Super Bowls, and this is what we're going to do. Instead, they bring in a guy who went 0-10 against Wink Martindale for the Baltimore Ravens, and his track record on third down has just been atrocious, so... You know, I mean, it is what it is, but I don't think it has anything to do with the scheme. Although I do think the question's fair to ask on a broader scale, you know, what I think Sean Payton's trying to do down in New Orleans is really do that is knowing that it's going to be hard for me to find the next Drew Brees, that I'm going to find a guy that can do a lot of things that are make it very difficult. And the way Lamar Jackson does that, I think is more true.
1: Yeah, and I think ultimately, your point about Aaron Rodgers, even he knows, he's publicly said, yeah, it's likely I'm going to finish my career somewhere other than Green Bay. He can read the writing on the wall. He knows Jordan Love will be taken over sooner rather than later. Maybe not, obviously not this year, but a year from now, two years from now, absolutely. Uh, the Last Dance obviously did great for ESPN. Huge ratings. There's nothing else going on when it comes to sports. So 10-part documentary worked out well involving Michael Jordan. Now ESPN worked with Tom Brady and Religion of Sports on Man in the Arena, a nine-episode multi-platform series coming in 2021, focusing on Tom Brady. Obviously, there's a lot in Tom's life you could look at, uh, each of his nine Super Bowl appearances as quarterback of the Patriots, the rise from Michigan, et cetera. It sounds like a no-brainer, Mike, but I'll tell you why I'm not crazy about it. I think one of the, the keys to the last dance was it was bathing in nostalgia. You know, for guys like you and me, you could go back in your memory bank from 22 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and say, oh, yeah, remember when? Which, of course, Tony would say is the lowest form of conversation. But a lot of this, especially on Twitter, was remember when. Remember that dunk, Starks dunked over Horace Grant, MJ. Oh, remember the MJ shrug. Remember the MJ flu game. Oh, it wasn't the flu. He was poisoned by pizza. Oh, my God. How about the soundtrack, this great 90s music? Oh, look at the fashion back then. I think that was a huge element of the success. So with Tom Brady, it's not that he isn't ripe for biography. It's not that his story isn't compelling. But I'm still living it right now. I'm still experiencing the next chapter. I'm not ready to look back at five, 10 years ago tomorrow. Give me 10 years from now. And then with the benefit of hindsight, I think Tom's story would be more interesting. That's just me.
2: Me too. I think, you know, to me, it's, this is Tom enterprise. I think look at Tom's golf cart in the match between mickelson and, and tiger tiger you know had his emblem on it phil had his um peyton had the yeah i thought peyton had the best line of all i ain't wearing red and black so kirby smart can plaster it all over twitter and tell him i'm i'm working for georgia i mean how smart is peyton on that one right and right. i mean and peyton had the logo of the colts he had the logo of the broncos and so and tom had just the tb12 i mean i think to me You know, when people keep searching for why did Tom leave, I think Tom wants to be Tom Inc. And that's and he has every right to be Tom Inc, every right to be Tom Inc. But this is another example of Tom Inc. I mean, he wants to, you know, he spent 19 years without any of that, you know, and Tim Duncan loved it. So he didn't care. Whereas Tom, I think he wants to expand his brand. So some guys embrace the culture. Tom built the culture. But then as he got more famous, I'm not sure it's, it was the right thing for him, but this is clearly an indication of why he left because none of the stuff he's been doing, whether it's Kimball, whether it's Howard Stern, whether it's any of this, could actually go on within the culture that he built. So there's your answer.
1: As far as Tom, of course, he was the focus of the match over the weekend. Mickelson and him against Tiger and Peyton. Tiger and Peyton ended up winning. And listen, most importantly, they raised a ton of money. $10 million was pledged by the four players and WarnerMedia. Prior to the match, another $10 million was raised over the course of the afternoon via online and text donations and other pledges. So listen... $20 million, those guys raised, phenomenal job. But as you said at the onset, the story was Tommy. I mean, it was just struggling all over the place. But then hits that incredible birdie, which which was amazing. And the trash talk was funny. Mickelson, Charles Barkley, they were having a good time, despite the weather.
2: They should have put Barkley as the fifth. He should have played, like, all over by himself. You know, like... And then he could have had commentary. I mean, there's nothing that he doesn't do that doesn't make you laugh. And I got to tell you, Frank Caliendo doing the voiceovers on these things. I mean, are they gold or what? I mean, thank God for Frank Caliendo during this time. I mean, he makes you laugh with all the shit he does with the with the voiceovers. I just would love, would you love to have Frank Caliendo answer your phone as Vito Corleone? I mean, wouldn't that be the best?
1: I was going to say, I I would just love to have Frank on my couch while watching football and say, listen, as you often do, because you get tired of the answers, mute the TV and say, Frank, okay, for this quarter, just do Madden. Okay, for this quarter, do Romo. (laughs) I think that would be great.
2: Hey, speaking of TV, have you heard who Monday night is going to? What What are your sources telling you deep in Mexico here on who's going to be the Monday night?
1: Yeah, that's right. My man Steve Levy in the mix. Apparently, Dan Orlovsky. There's some rumors there. Louis Riddick could be in play. I mean, that's that's what's sounding like. We know it's not going to be Tess and Booger. They were informed they're not going to be back. But yeah, I mean. Steve Levy, listen, Leaves always told me his dream was to call Monday Night Football. He's a huge hockey guy. Everyone knows that. Called hockey for a lot of years. But he said, listen, to call Monday Night Football, we all know, iconic institution, uh, big Jets fan. It could be, could be Leaves in there.
2: Well, I mean, you said the magic word. I mean, because Seth Markman, if you say you're a Jet fan, you you can do whatever you want at ESPN. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. I mean, you know, all you got to do is work for the Jets. I mean, I'm sure their equipment manager is going to be NFL countdown soon. You know, I, I lost my job as the equipment manager of the Jets. Okay, come to NFL countdown. You can talk about equipment on our show, you know.
1: <laughs> uh, everyone always has a, a soft spot or Achilles heel or certainly a, a something that they love to have. Seth does love his Jets. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, at the GM Shuffle, Lombardi NFL, Adnan Esferk as well. Thank God, by the way, people are still tweeting, hey, thanks so much to Mike for ripping on Homeland. I don't know if you have anything from the pop culture beat you'd like to share with us, but as far as books, movies, TV shows, whatever you got to end this up. You
2: know, I, we were just a Joe has on the rundown. We should talk about what's our best golf movie, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know how anybody could. I mean, I love the one with Kevin Costner, but Tin I cop. mean, Caddyshack to me, it's got to be the best golf. Mo- I don't know how anything could be better than that. I mean, there's you still cite the lines, but no, I mean, I've got grandkids here now. So I've, I've kind of been the television doesn't come on, except if it's going to be car. You know, I watch cars one which I'd never seen before but it made I was happy Paul Newman was one of the cars you got a lot of stuff, kid, you know, and so that was good. I enjoyed that. I, You know, then they went to Italy in Cars, too. I didn't enjoy that one as much, even though it was in Italy. But so, you know, that, that's kind of what are you are you watching anything?
1: Uh, about to say on Cars, you're right. The sequels definitely fell off. The first Cars is great because you do have Paul Newman. And listen, Lightning McQueen, entertaining character. I believe Bob Costas is in the first one, or maybe Brent Musburger. One of those two is one of the broadcasters.
2: He's in two. I know he's in two.
1: Yeah. As much as I love uh, John Turturro, you're right. The Italian car wasn't nearly as strong when it goes to there. Now, my wife and I finally finished Ozark, and I just whatever you and Millie do, just please don't watch it. I know you said you watched a little bit, and it wasn't for you, but I spent 30 hours of my life watching an inferior version of Breaking Bad. So, just whatever you do, please avoid that. Okay.
2: I got gotcha. you. And John Turturro, I loved him in secret. What was it? The Stephen King secret window, rear window, one of those? or
1: Oh, secret window. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That was, he was really good in that. So was Johnny Depp. I thought that was great. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, now that the sun's out, the beach is up, I mean, it's kind of hard to get it. We'll get some, I, I just bought a book that everybody tells me, Mick, my son was telling me that it's Pete Carroll's favorite book. He wrote the forward to it's called the inner game of tennis by Timothy Galway. And so I'm gonna read that, and it's uh, I should have that. It's not too hard to read, so I'll get that done and keep working on the uh, keep working on the next book. So things are good.
1: I love it. Everybody out there, stay safe, stay strong, enjoy the weather, social distance, follow us on Instagram and social media, and we'll talk to you next time on the GM Shuffle.